we've heard dribs and drabs. Uh, you know, she laid some of it out in broad themes out in her inaugural address on on January first. And and really, there's three major things that she's she's focusing on. One is affordability. Another is public safety. And and the third is economic opportunity. Hi there, it's WAMC News Director Ian Pickus. And on this episode of the WAMC News Podcast, we preview New York Governor Kathy Hochul's State of the State Address. After becoming the first woman sworn in for a full term as New York Governor, Democrat Kathy Hochul is about to deliver her State of the State Address. And it comes as she prepares to unveil her budget plan and while she stands by her embattled pick for the state's next chief judge. He'll have a hearing. We'll go to the floor of the Senate because that's what this Constitution provides for. Joining me now to preview the governor's address and the legislative session is Capitol reporter John Campbell of WNYC. Hi, John. Hi, Ian. So as we prepare for Governor Hochul's State of the State address, what's on her agenda this year? Well, we've heard dribs and drabs. Uh, you know, she laid some of it out in broad themes out in her inaugural address on, on January 1st. And, and really, there's three major things that she's she's focusing on. One is affordability. Another is public safety. And, and the third is economic opportunity. And what form those you know, topics take, we'll see in her state of the state address and later in her budget address, which is really when the rubber meets the road. That'll come later this month. So, you know, public safety is a, a really interesting one that we're going to be looking at because she's facing a lot of pressure. She faced a lot of pressure from her Republican opponent, Lee Zeldin, to take more action on, say, the state's bail reforms of, of 2019. Uh, and But she has this opposite pressure from the Democratic legislature to kind of leave those in place and not introduce more subjectivity into the, the the bail process. So what she lays out, that's something that we're going to be watching very, very closely. And it's, it's you know, it's these lingering effects from the, the, the campaign trail where this was a huge, huge deal. And, you know, now is her opportunity to kind of set a new path. Well, what have Speaker Carl Hasty and the Senate leader, Andrea Stewart-Cousins, said about criminal justice this session? They have talked more about addressing root causes of, of violence and crime and, and street crime in particular. And and they're starting to kind of put together their own look at what they might want to do that is, is certainly going to be different from what Republicans want to do and, and could be different from what Kathy Hochul wants to do. So... You know, there was this summit on Thursday at the National Action Network in New York City with Al Sharpton, where they they started to talk about some things that they might want to see done be done on public safety. Uh, but that was held in private. Uh, we we don't know exactly what was discussed, but these are things that we'll see uh, start to play out. And and really, it's going to start with the governor's address on Tuesday. What kinds of changes have taken place in the Assembly and the Senate since the last time lawmakers were here after the November elections? Uh, any big personnel changes, uh, you know, leadership dynamics, that kind of thing? Well, we still have the same leaders. It's Andrea Stewart-Cousins in the Senate. She's a Democrat from, from Yonkers. She's the Senate Majority Leader, has been uh, the Majority Leader since 2019. And it's Carl Hasty is the Assembly Speaker. Uh, he's a, a Democrat from the Bronx. So the leadership at the top level stays the same, but there's been some pretty key uh, committee changes. Deborah Glick is, in a, 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 is a Democratic Assemblywoman from 
uh, Manhattan. She, for years, was the, the higher education chairperson. Now she's going to be the environmental conservation chairperson. We have a new environmental conservation chairperson in the Senate as well, Peter Harkum from, from Westchester. So, you know, the top leaders, the, the three people in the room are going to be the same. It's Governor Hochul, it's Speaker Hasty, and it's Majority Leader Stuart Cousins. Uh, let's talk about a member of the minority for a moment, Lester Chang, uh, a Republican from question mark, the Democrats would say. Uh, <laughs> so as we speak, he is a member of the assembly. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So he was he defeated Democrat Peter Abadi in, in Brooklyn. And Peter Abadi was a three decade incumbent who did not expect to lose, quite frankly, and assembly Democrats did not expect him to lose. So but he did lose on, a, on election day. But there are these questions about whether Lester Chang actually lived in Brooklyn for 12 months leading up to his election, which was the minimum requirement in a redistricting year. So uh, there's, quite frankly, a, a decent amount of evidence that suggests that he was living in, in, in Manhattan rather than Brooklyn at the time, uh, right around that, that time period. So there is this this push among some assembly democrats not to allow him to remain an assembly person and they could take a vote to remove him from office it's it's going to be a, a big topic for for assembly democrats to decide whether they want to remove him or whether they want to essentially overturn an election after the fact how come this wasn't raised until after the election result well, I mean, it depends on, on who you're asking. I mean, Republicans would say it's because the Republican candidate won. But I actually spoke to Carl Hasty, the, the assembly speaker, and he said, well, it's a little more complicated than that. It's He was subbed in as a candidate. He didn't petition his way onto the ballot. There was another candidate who did who and then uh, decided not to run. So Republican leaders were able to swap Lester Chang in, and that kind of limited the the challenge period. But there still was a period to to challenge his his residency prior to uh, prior to election day, and and that would have worked its way through the courts essentially, and, and the board of elections. So, you know, there's there's a, there are democracy issues at play here. There are residency issues at play here, and and Assembly Democrats are going through trying to figure out what they want to do. As we speak here in early January, what do you think is going to be the one or two issues uh, that are debated over, haggled over through the end of the session? There's usually a couple of sticking points where the legislature and the governor are not on the same page, especially through budget season. Uh, what do you see as the key issues this year? Well, I think there's there's a few different things. I mean, we mentioned public safety and, and you know, I think it's pretty clear at this point that the governor may push for changes to, to further changes to the, the bail reform. She was able to win some last year, and that's something that Democratic leaders are going to push back on. They, they stand behind the bail reforms and the purpose for the bail reforms, which from their view was to avoid criminalizing poverty, essentially. So that's one area. I think the area of taxes could be one, too. You're going to have progressives already. They're pushing for higher taxes on the wealthy. Governor Hochul has come out and said, well, you know, now is not really the time to, to increase taxes. So that's kind of a perpetual issue at the Capitol. Uh, and, and it should be one this year as well. And I think that's another area where you might see some divergence between Governor Hochul and the left wing of the party. 
And speaking of that, you've set uh, up very nicely a conversation about Hochul's pick for chief judge. Uh, She is facing a lot of pushback from the left uh, right now. Where do things stand? Yeah, Governor Hochul, she nominated a man by the name of Hector LaSalle for for chief judge of the Court of Appeals, which is... kind of selling the role short, quite frankly. Not only would he be the the top judge on the state's top court, one of seven members of the top court, he would also be in charge of the entire judicial branch in the state. And that's this huge web of state and local courts. And and it's a really, really big role. Um, But progressives in the Senate, you know, the Senate has uh, uh, has to confirm LaSalle's nomination. And already there's more than a dozen members who have said, we're going to vote no because they don't like some of his decisions. One decision went against a union. Another decision uh, went in favor of a pro-life anti-abortion center that was, was under investigation by the state attorney general's office. And they, these progressive senators and, and even some moderate senators have said, no, we're, we're not going to vote in favor of LaSalle's nomination. So his his nomination is on the rocks. Governor Hochul has not given up on it at this point. He would be the first Latino to serve as the state's chief judge. Latino leaders are lining up behind him trying to get his nomination over the finish line. But at this point, it looks like if it is going to happen, it might have to be done with Republican support. And that's, you know, that's something that makes a lot of Democrats uneasy. So here's a question for you. Uh, she got a list of seven nominations to pick from, of which LaSalle was one. If she pulls that pick back, do we get a new list of seven or does she then pick from six remaining? You know, I don't really know the answer to the question, and that's because this is unprecedented. We haven't <laughs> been in this situation before uh, in, in in the time where uh, the current judicial nomination system has been in place. We haven't seen this, and, and that's been decades. So... Um, you know, we are we're in kind of uncharted water here. And of those seven candidates, I mean, one of the things that that has angered progressives uh, and, and those on the left of the party is that Governor Hochul selected somebody who has a background as a prosecutor. He's the presiding justice of the, the mid-level appeals court in Brooklyn and Queens right now. But before that, he was a prosecutor in the Nassau County District Attorney's Office. And there is a lot of of, of prosecutorial representation on the Court of Appeals right now, and progressives are looking for perhaps a defense attorney, somebody with a history of being a public defender or a civil rights attorney. That's what they want to kind of balance the viewpoints on the court. So that's another reason why they're angered by this nomination. Okay, let's do a lightning round. Controller Tom DiNapoli has pre-audit authority back in some form. Uh, break that down for us. Yeah. So this was something that goes back to the time of Andrew Cuomo, the former governor. And the it has to do with contracts over a certain amount of money uh, at the state office of general services and the, the SUNY system. So that was removed. The, the controller's pre-audit contract audit authority. So before these contracts are signed, the con- the controller used to be able to come in and pre-audit and say, hey, okay, everything looks good. Go ahead and go ahead with this contract. The governor, Governor Cuomo, he rescinded that as part of a deal with the legislature. They've been pushing to, to reinstall that ever since. Uh, and Governor Hochul 
did sign it into law. That said, she made some tweaks to the, the bill. The legislature agreed to it to kind of increase the threshold and decrease the amount of time that the, the controller may have to, to pre-audit, but the controller seems to be on board with it. Uh, New York State is losing its longtime budget director, Robert Mujica, who's taking a position in Puerto Rico. Does that uh, loom large in the upcoming budget process this year? He's somebody who's been in the upper echelons of New York State government for quite a while. Yeah, absolutely. Robert Mejica was not only Kathy Hochul's budget director, but also Andrew Cuomo's budget director, and before that worked for Senate Republicans on any number of budget and negotiating issues. So he was a longtime steady hand that was involved in these kind of budget negotiations. He obviously had a big role in crafting uh, the Governor Hochul's new budget proposal, which we'll see in a couple weeks. Uh, but you know he's he's going to to Puerto Rico for for a role with a Puerto Rican government oversight board and and he won't be there and we don't know who his replacement is yet so certainly that does loom large because he is a towering figure in in budget negotiations and we don't know who will replace him yet. What do you think the impact of New York State being between health commissioners is right now? Well, I mean, listen, we're we're in the midst of a, a potential triple demic, right? And and you know, we've got the flu, we've got uh, we've got COVID. I mean, it is it is a difficult time for health re- regulators. Still, we are still in the pandemic. So, uh, you know, that said, there the health department is a huge agency with a lot of of non-appointed a professional staff that that keep the trains going but you know anytime you don't have somebody in the in the head role and and don't have a permanent person in that head role it's it's you know at the very least an an image problem but but you know we'll see how long it takes the governor to appoint a new health commissioner what are the differences from your uh, perspective in the capital a year and a half into uh, governor hokel's tenure compared to the years that we spent with governor cuomo well certainly even with all we just said about the the friction between Governor Hochul and the legislature, it is a different relationship than it was with Governor Cuomo. Uh, I mean, it was adversarial, you know, and and some of that, you know, adversarial nature nature is is necessary because it is a system of checks and balances. It is supposed to be adversarial on some level. But Governor Hochul has struck a more collegial tone. Uh, she did just sign in a, a huge pay raise for, for legislators to the tune of 29% or $32,000. Uh, that is something that, you know, maybe Governor Cuomo would have held out to trade something for because everything gets traded for something in Albany. And, and we didn't see that happen with Governor Hochul. So, Generally, she is trying to strike a more collegial tone. I think most lawmakers would say they prefer working with Governor Hochul over over Governor Cuomo. But, you know, that's going to be put to the test in in the coming weeks, particularly with this chief judge nominee. Okay, last thing. True or false? The Buffalo Bills will win a championship before the New York Mets win their next championship. Oh, that's a good question. Well, I mean, they're going to have an opportunity to do it first. Uh, I am a huge Buffalo Bills homer, as you know, and I am, uh, you know, relieved to see the good news about Damar Hamlin, who who suffered cardiac arrest on the field this week. So, I'm gonna, sure, I'll say yes. Let's let's ride the 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 
you know, the good vibes here. And, and let's say, sure, the Bills will win before the Mets, but maybe that's more of an indictment of uh, the Mets, historically speaking, than, uh, than a, a, you know, applauding the Bills here. John Campbell, be true to your school. John Campbell covers the Capitol for WNYC. Always a pleasure. Thanks. Thank you. All right. That does it for this episode of the WAMC News Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, I'm Ian Pickus.